0: well good morning good morning morning. that's okay yeah you can respond here it's all right okay i'm not afraid of feedback or noise and uh so please don't be afraid to um participate this morning well as uh pastor steve said my name is ken and i'm a pastor with nations church and uh we, we've been seeing God. God is doing some amazing things in our world. And uh, I just love what he is doing. Just before I start, I, I really wanted to honor Pastor Steve and Maggie this morning. You have amazing pastors, and uh, I value them. And uh, they're just wonderful, beautiful people of God with a, a great heart for the work of God. And so thank you so much. And to you and your eldership for trusting me and uh, having me here this morning, I do honour you and thank you. Well, this is a time to engage. You have your faith pledge coming up. Do you know one of the things that I've just quietly observed over the last uh, few times that I've had the opportunity to share? I just really sense that God is stirring something in the city of Kalamunda. Do I get an amen? I sense that God has something great for you here. I, You know, I, I'm i just blown away by what God is doing around the world. And I'm passionate about our nation, Australia. You know, we, we live in an amazing... We have an amazing window of time. We had the awesome privilege a few weeks ago of hosting our prime minister at Nations Church and uh, he these are rare days when you have a prime minister we asked him could we pray for him and he got on the platform and we were able to pray for him and then we said you know do you want to is there anything you'd like to say He spoke so passionately about our nation and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, you know, it's not the government that's going to change our nation. It's not the government that's going to change our communities. It's the power of Jesus within the church rising up. It's God's power, first of all, changing us and and invigorating us. And then it's the power, that same power of Jesus being leased out in our communities. That is what is going to change our nation. Amen? And there's a stirring going on. How good it is to have a prime minister that loves the Lord Jesus, that is passionate. You should have heard him pray over Perth, over the aboriginal people. He wept as he prayed over the suicide that is happening in our nation. God is stirring something. And I just know God is calling you to be a part of that. The city of Kalamunda needs to see Jesus a whole lot more than it does right now. Amen? Well, there's a half-hearted amen there. I hope by the end of it, you're going to agree with me. You know, I, I love missions. Because missions is the heart of God. God is passionate about missions. Passionate enough to send his one and only son to this planet to die on a rugged, cruel Roman cross in order that the gospel mission can be proclaimed. He allowed the created humanity to crucify the creator in order that the creator could connect with the created, which is us that none would perish, is the heart of God. And he's given us that mandate right here where we are, that none should perish. You know, as I've said a number of times over the last few days, missions is not overseas. Because what is overseas to God? There's no such thing as overseas to God. God looks down and he sees humanity. He sees the people of Calamunda. He sees your neighbors, your family, your friends. He sees people. And we are called as his missionaries and to be missionaries into this community. Every one of us is called as a missionary. You see, missions is about seeing the kingdom of God come. Jesus told us to pray that His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Is that what He said? He told us to pray and He commissioned us as His ambassadors to see that happen. Friends, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no loneliness in heaven. There's no deprivation in heaven. There's no brokenness and rejection in heaven. And He's called us to see His kingdom come here on earth. So where there's sin, let there be forgiveness. Where there's poverty, let there be prosperity. Where there's injustice, let there be justice. Where there's habits and bondage, let there be freedom. Where there's sickness let there be health. Where there is brokenness and rejection, let there be love and wholeness. Can you say amen? That's the mandate of the church, to see His kingdom come. I love the the words of Jesus in Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Friends, that's what Jesus did. He, he, he walked the dusty streets doing that. And that's what He's commissioned us to do. That is the commission for each and every one of us as His ambassadors. There's a world that needs to see the reality of God, the love of God and the purposes of God. There's a world that needs to encounter Him. You see, in the Old Testament, the the people related to God through the prophets and the priests and through sacrifice, they didn't really understand the love and the grace of God, so much of their Perception of God was was based around appeasement. Appeasing this God. But Jesus came to show us what God was really like. Jesus walked the dusty streets loving people. Every time He touched a leper and He healed them, He was saying, this is what God is like. Every time he laid his hand on a child and blessed them, he was saying, this is what the father is like. Every time He healed somebody, He was saying, this is what the Father is like. Every time He accepted the lady who was caught in adultery, the woman at the well, Matthew, as He sat at His desk tax collecting, every time He accepted somebody, He was saying, this is what the Father is like. As He shared the parable of the prodigal son, He was saying, This is what the Father is like. He was pointing people to the reality of the love of God that we heard about around communion today. Friends, it's not a story. Jesus constantly laid his hands on people as he saw them, as he ministered to them saying this is what the father is like this is the heart of God you know the devil saw that and he hated everything Jesus did he hated the revelation that was coming to people that there was a God in heaven who cared, who loved who wanted to relate, who was real So the devil put Jesus on a cross and he thought, I've won. It's all over. No more representation of the God of heaven. Little did he know as Jesus died and went down there and began to plunder hell to say there is no more power in death and he bought life. And even more than that, in his resurrection, he raised up a whole new body that was going to walk the dusty streets. The body is his church that wasn't just restricted to to walk the dusty streets of Israel. But he raised up a body. He raised up a church. He raised up people who were going to walk the dusty streets of the world, declaring, this is what the Father is like. This is what the love of God is like. All over this world, he's commissioned his church, his body, to walk the dusty streets and point to a father who cares. Amen? That's me. And that's you. That's why Jesus says look to the harvest. For the fields are white under harvest. Right now, they're ready for harvest. In Luke 10 and verse 2 and 3, Jesus had said, He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. go. I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. You know, I said the other day, it's it's really easy to pray. and, And I do it and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we pray for our loved ones. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for people who are lost. And we say, God, soften their hearts. God, open their eyes. God, give them a revelation. God, help me with an opportunity. And that's all good and that's all fine. But you know, there's already a harvest that surrounds your world and my world that is already ripe. That is already for the harvest. We don't have to pray, God, open their eyes, ripen them. It's already there. They're already ripe for the harvest. That's what Jesus said. Let's go, because He doesn't want anyone to perish. Today there are people that are ready to answer the call. You know, God has placed you here very deliberately. And with a promise to go before you, to empower you, to lead you, to enable you to see his kingdom come and to influence the city of Kalamunda. Jesus said we were his ambassadors and his witnesses and we're to go into our Jerusalem, which is your city of Kalamunda into our Judea, which is the city of Perth, into our Samaria, which is our beautiful nation, and to go into the nations of the world. And that's Jesus' command for all of us. You know, Jesus promised that his glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea before he comes back and Everywhere I go, I'm just seeing God's hand at work. I'm seeing God do the most amazing things, declaring his heart and declaring his love for people. Friends, he's coming back for a glorious church, not a church that's hiding. He's coming back for a glorious church. Can you say amen to that? He's coming back for a powerful church. Hey, the church is his bride. The church is going to be worthy of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The church is going to be magnificent. That's us. He's saying, come on. Come on. Let's see this thing done for the glory of God. You know, what I've discovered that all possession. For the kingdom of God, and you know this, is accessed by faith. And you say amen. It's all accessed by, we can't do it. But with his grace and his strength, we can access by faith everything that he has for us. And that's why, you know, this, its you're calling it a faith promise. Because it's got to be beyond what we can do. It's got to be faith with it because God responds to faith. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not reflective thinking. None of, nothing wrong with any of that. But faith is far more than that. Faith is a, is a, is a believing that what Jesus said is true. Faith is actually something that begins to possess the future. It sees the future and it takes a hold of the future. It invests in the future. It's the substance of things that we hope for. It's the evidence of the things we don't yet see, as Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us. You see, God can do so much more when we actively apply our faith. Like I said, faith is never passive. Faith is always seeing into the future. I remember a number of years ago, quite a number of years ago, when uh, God called me to go into Eastern Europe behind the Iron Curtain when it was all under the communist regime. And... uh, we tangled there a lot of times with the KGB and, you know, you see in the movies their big fur hats and their dark glasses and coats and submachine guns and that's exactly how it was. That's exactly how they were. You know, one occasion we were invited to speak at this very large church. There would have been at least a thousand people now. Over there, the church essentially was, um, the active church was underground But there were some churches they left above ground, but they employed actual communist officials to run the church. So the people actually knew nothing of God. But this particular church, the official that was running it, God had touched his heart. And so he invited us to to preach at this church. And like I said, it was a big church. It must have been a thousand people. And so when we got there, these people came in and... uh, Though all the ladies had their scarves pulled right down, and everyone was weeping, And they were all crying and weeping. And I'm sitting there thinking, "Golly, is, is we come to a funeral, or what? What? What is this?" And they're, they're all just weeping. And then this very, very ample Russian lady sat down on this little, you know, one of those little pump, pump, squeaky organ things. And began to bash the bellows, the life out of the bellows, and started playing this thing. I understood them why they were crying, because I started crying as well. It was like it was terrible. As she pounded the life out of this little thing. But um, we, we were invited to speak, and and so as I, I prepared something, as I'm getting up to speak, the leader says to me, "Do you actually believe in healing?" And I went yeah yeah I do the bible teaches healing he says you preach on healing and I'm thinking I've got the distance of there and then the the you the platform was really high it was like about that high and then you walked up this spiral staircase into this bird's nest right up in the rafters and uh so I've got about that much time to prepare a sermon on (laughs) healing and uh so I preached this sermon on healing, and when I finished, as I'm coming down the, the stairs, everyone just got up and left. I'm going, it was that bad, right? It was like, they just all got up and walked out. And so I'm left standing on the platform thinking, what just happened? And the, the, the leader came to me and he said, um, you come out the back. I went, oh, okay. So we went at the back to this little room and there sat probably 20 of the sourest old elders that I've ever seen in my life. They all looked like they had doctorates in sucking lemons. It was like (laughs) really sad. And they were sitting in this U-shaped thing. And so they sat myself and there were four of us down in front of them and said, now, do you actually really believe in healing? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said pointed to one of the old elders and they said he's dying and I looked at him I thought I think he's died <laughs> he it was he, he did not look good and they said um okay you pray for him now and the, the Russians are very direct they're very they don't know expression you'll pray for him now and go oh lord <laughs> I really do believe in healing but I really do need you right now to do a serious miracle, or I'm in trouble. So we prayed for this man. God instantly healed him. Instantly healed him, and so this Russian leader said to me, "Okay, we have a wedding tomorrow. The bride, she is dying. Can you pray for her now?" So he said, "Can does she have to be here?" I said, "No." Paul laid his hands on handkerchiefs, and yeah, we. God hears prayer. Okay, you pray now. So I start praying. He's on the phone. Are you better? <laughs> I haven't even finished my prayer. I'm thinking, give me a break. I haven't even finished praying. Are you better? God instantly healed her. Instantly. So he said, you come back and speak again tonight. Yes, sir. The building filled up that night. Everybody's weeping. Everybody's crying. Everybody's doing the same deal. And so I preached. And after I preached, I said to him, can I do an altar call? He says, I don't even know what that is. What is an altar call? I said, can I invite people to come forward to find Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And can we pray for people who are sick? He went, yeah. Do an call. So I did an i call. I'm, I'm up in the, the bird's nest. <laughs> and uh, I did an altercall. call. Nobody moved. Nobody moved. It was like you could have heard a pin drop. So I came down out of the bird's nest and I'm standing on this platform. And I looked at him and went, he said, do it again. So I made another altercall. call. Nobody moved. Just nobody moved. So I looked at him again and, and by this time I've come down off the platform and I'm standing on the ground in front of the, the platform and I looked at this pastor again and I said, you know, I, I had no idea why it was like nobody moved, no expression, nothing. He said, um, do it again. So I'm now standing here and gave another altar call. Nobody moved. And so I looked at this leader again. He stood up and he said, you may come. Next thing, I am off my feet. Literally, there are so many people. My feet are off the ground. I'm just swept up in this crowd of people, not even being able to move. People who were weeping people who were seeing jesus was this old lady standing in front of me she was literally bent double over there when you're driving along you see they don't have they were well, back then they didn't have there's no social security there's no welfare you just see and there's because it's all communist owned the Government owns all the land, and you just see the, the elderly people stretching out in a line over the horizon with their old picks and their old mattocks and their old stuff tilling the soil, which is so hard. That's the only way they survive. Just this massive line, just slowly crawling across the landscape. And so many of them in the cold are arthritic, and uh, their diet, oh boy, just. Don't ever believe communism is good. It's not. And she's standing in front of me, just bent, crippled, arms locked. She can't even get her head up to look at me. So I grabbed her hands, and I'm kind of thinking, and just slowly started to lift her hands, and I realized that nothing, nothing would move. And so I just put my hand on her. Just, my feet are almost off the ground and I'm just being tossed around by this crowd. Touch the head, next thing there's crack, 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 And she's straight upright, her eyes just like saucers. Her arms shoot in the air and she begins to worship. The old lady next door to her, same thing, touch her, crack, 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 And then miracles just began to break out everywhere. I turn around and there's 20 of these old sour elders standing on the platform with their eyes so I went up there and I just touched them and said, now you go down and pray for these people everywhere. Miracles were breaking out. Hundreds of people found Jesus that day. Everybody who came to be healed was healed. You see, God is looking for our faith. Can we do it? No. Do we have the ability? No. Does he? Absolutely he does. And that's his heart and it's his passion to touch people, to encounter people to declare through us there's a father who cares and who sees what does he see in Kalamunda what does he see in your world who is he looking at that needs to encounter him you know I'm so challenged when I read the account of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. They reached the promised land. They had a promise that that land would be their inheritance. And they get to the edge of the river and Moses sends out 12 spies. I think you know the account and you know, they, they all acknowledged the truth and the wonder of the promise that God had given them. They went in there and they talked and they said, Yeah, truly, it's a land, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's it's exactly as you said. The grapes are so big and and, and the soil is so fertile, the cities, yeah, it's all there. But ten focused on the challenges. Ten saw the difficulties. While two, Caleb and Joshua, saw in this land the fulfillment of God's promise. What time is it? I'm just wondering if I've got time to read it. I'm, all, I'm, I'm. So it says in Numbers 13, they came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community in Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of that land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it but the men who had gone up with him said we can't attack these people they are stronger than we are and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored they said the land we explored devours those living in it all of the people we saw there are a great size we saw the Nephilim and they the descendants of Anak that came from the Nephilim and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes And we looked the same to them. You see, the faith of the 10 spies was reduced to somehow asking God to help them to survive in the desert. It was reduced to somehow make this place where we are right now more livable, more bearable. Lord, help us to cope where we are with the day to day. status quo, meet our needs, somehow protect us and insulate us from the harshness of the desert. If not, take us back to Israel, uh, back to Egypt. You see, their faith was anchored in the past and simply to survive the now. Their identity and faith was shaped by their experience in the desert. We seem like grasshoppers in their eyes and ours. But you know, I love this. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. God said of Caleb, he would possess the land because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He wanted everything that God wanted, whatever the cost. You see, Joshua and Caleb saw what others saw, but rather than focusing on the obstacles, they began to let their faith live in the promise of God. There, you know, as as Joshua and Caleb looked, they could see their crops growing. Caleb said, even though he was 80, give me this mountain. He could see the fields that he would plant in the future. He could see his family living there in safety. He could see his grandchildren flourishing. He could see destiny and inheritance, the fulfillment of God's promise. And that is where he let his faith choose to live and flourish. Can I say to you, if ever there's a day where faith needs to flourish, it's today. People are looking for something. People need help. So what do you see for your community? What do you see for the city of Kalamunda and beyond? Are you prepared to apply faith to what you can see and what the pastors and elders for this church can see for your city. Are there giants? Yeah, there are. But hey, we've all faced giants before and here we are to tell the tale because God is much bigger than the giants we face. Joshua and Caleb stood looking. Over a swollen river, a massive barrier, a massive obstacle. But bigger than the swollen river were the promises of God burning in their hearts. You see, their faith had already crossed the river. Their faith and their spirit was no longer in the desert, but in the promised land. Can I say, friends, God has given every one of us faith. We all have faith but it's what we're going to do with it. It's what God wants us to do. You know, even when I, like I was in Eastern Europe, God wanted me to stretch my faith just recently. I was with a team in Bangladesh, which is a very strong Muslim country. And we were doing a pastor's conference there for a pastor who had planted 3,200 churches. He's one church planted 3,200 churches in Islamic Bangladesh. And while we were doing the conference, the pastor said to me, can some of your young people do a conference for some refugee girls that he had rescued? And I said, sure. Yeah, they can. And so there were 43 girls that he had rescued, Rohingya, refugees that had been caught up in the war with Myanmar. These 43 girls he'd rescued out of refugee camps and out of the forests where they were living because their parents had been killed. Their siblings had been raped and many of them had been raped and abused themselves. And he rescued them and they were living in a dorm in the church. These 43 girls aged from the age of 10 to 16. And so my young people went in there. And for the first day, they tried to engage. They tried to run programs. They tried to just do something. These girls were so closed. They were so damaged. There was just no response. No response at all. And so my young people came back and went, what are we going to do? I said, pray. They had such a heart for these girls. They could see the pain. So these, my young people, that night prayed and said, God, what do you want us to do tomorrow? God simply just said to them, tomorrow, when you get there in the morning, pray for them. And so they did. They prayed for these girls. Within minutes, all 43 girls, these Rohingya Muslim refugee girls, are on the floor under the power of God. My team are just standing looking. For an hour and a half, none of those girls moved. And then they started to get up. Their whole countenance had changed. They were laughing, they were happy, they were interactive. And my team said to these girls through our translator, what happened? And they said, you know, they started writing these testimonies, how while they were on the ground, this man Jesus had come to them. And he says, I'm going to take your pain. I'm going to take your horror. I'm going to take your grief. And he says, I'm going to have it. And he, they said he took this and he walked over and he put it on this cross. And he said, Now it's mine. You're free. Those girls got up totally, utterly free. I was back there just recently. I had some people with me, they saw us coming. And they got in this big circle around us and they were singing and worshipping Jesus. And we're standing in the middle of the circle and then they started putting garlands of flowers around our necks. These beautiful girls who are now going out to serve Jesus because he set them free. These are just young people who decided, Jesus, you can help them. We don't know what to do, but you can. And he did. There are people in your world that Jesus is looking at. And friends, it doesn't just have to happen overseas. It can happen right here. Right here. I love the lady who worshiped, where is she? I love what you were saying. Miracles can happen here because jesus doesn't change his word doesn't change his promises don't change we just need to connect our faith to what he says like i said it can happen here i was in one of our cam- our belmont campus we do a, a fruit and veg distribution to people who are hungry and the poor, in our community. And and I was, you know, more than half of that team, I'm based in Myrie now, not Belmont, but when I left Belmont, which is one of our campuses, more than half of that team of about 18, probably 10 to 12 of them, were people that had come right out of that program who now loved Jesus and who are now serving others in the community with that food program. I was sitting there one day in my office while the food distribution was going on. There's a knock at my door and and because we always prayed for them. Don't ever just give stuff away. Give them Jesus. And so we, we prayed for them and there's a knock on my door and this lady is standing at my door and tears are running down her face. And I said, hi, I'd never seen her before. Apparently she'd been to our food program a couple of times. I said, can I help you? And she said, yes, please. How do I find God? I said, you've come to the right place. <laughs> I can help you there. I said, but but tell me, why have you come? And she said, well, she said, the truth is, I'm the worst mother in the world. She said, I've got four kids, but I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm the worst mum in the world. and she said, three days ago, my 13-year-old daughter tried to commit suicide and ended up in Royal Perth Hospital and they called me and I went up there and, and, you know, my daughter was so struggling for life and finally she turned a corner and she said I was sitting there by a bed feeling this is my fault. I'm the worst mum in the world. And when a daughter came around, she tried to apologize to her daughter, and her daughter says, I don't want to hear anything. Just go and get me some Kentucky fried chicken. I think that's a double suicide attempt. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. And mum is sitting beside her, and all her daughter wants is Kentucky fried chicken. And Mum starts to cry again because she's got no money or no access to money. She can't even get her daughter. This is what she's thinking in my like, I can't even get my daughter, Kentucky fried chicken. And so, so her daughter doesn't see her weeping. She gets up and she's wandering the corridors of Royal Perth Hospital, just desperate. And she walks past the chapel and uh And she decides to go into the chapel and she sits down in the chapel and there's a little slip of paper on the seat beside her saying, God loves you. And so she said, God, if you love me, will you help me? That's all she said. Then she got up and as she's walking out of the chapel, she literally banged into this lady whose arms are carrying, guess what? boxes of kentucky fried chicken in royal perth hospital (laughs) boxes of kentucky fried chicken and this lady says to her these are for you and gives her the boxes of kentucky fried chicken doesn't say anything else turns around walks off this lady is now she's just walked out of the chapel the door is right there saying god would you help me if you're real and if you see me She's now standing with boxes of Kentucky fried chicken. She goes back, she gives it to her daughter. She leaves there and she comes to my office and goes, God heard me, God saw. How do I find God? Yeah. God is at work in people's lives. He just needs our faith. He just needs our engagement. He needs us to see what he sees. And that is our fantastic opportunity. Wow, time's gone. It's gotten late early. You know, our engagement in mission is a reflection of our heart and our faith. it's a reflection of where our where we're looking and what we see finance and faith are issues of the heart god wants our heart to engage and we engage by faith we engage by going god I want to do what you want me to do. And I want to see what you want me to see. And I want to experience what you want me to experience. Jesus said, didn't he? To so many people, according to your faith, be it unto you. And so, you know, I, I really sense there's a new chapter coming. I really sense in my spirit that God is saying, hey, I've got a new chapter for you. But are you going to turn the page? Are you going to engage in what I see and what I have? Because he loves the city of Kalamunda. And he loves the people of the city of Kalamunda. He loves the people that you're engaging with in India and China. What beautiful works. He loves those people. He cares about those people. And he's saying, hey, are you going to walk the dusty streets and show people what I'm like? I'd like to invite the musicians to come. And could you sing that song, the atmosphere that you sang before? While they're coming, I, I don't know, hardly anybody here. and But I do know that Jesus loves everybody here. Maybe you're here today and you've, for whatever reason, you've come and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, today, can I say he's looking at you? He knows your cry. He knows your world. He knows what's going on. And just maybe he's brought you here today so that you can encounter him. You see, he's not a religious God who's way out there that we can't know. He's a God who came to have a one-on-one relationship and bring life, and forgiveness, and restoration to our lives. The reason why we we don't connect with God is because it's our wrongdoing that separates us from Him, because God is holy. He cannot He cannot look on sin and wrongdoing and that's that's the predicament we all faced but that's why he sent jesus see god is all, is also just he can't turn his back on sin otherwise he'd be just he'd be like a judge with a a rapist standing in front of him going oh well i'm feeling i'm feeling happy today and yeah you probably were having a bad yeah go on you go you go and have a good weekend see that's not justice God can't turn his back on wrongdoing because he is just. But he sent Jesus, his son, to pay the price of sin so that justice could be fulfilled. The penalty paid. And what separates us from God, removed. So that we begin to experience his love. We begin to experience his heart and his grace. He deals with the stuff that we can't deal with. And he begins to make us whole and give us a destiny. So maybe I'm going to ask everybody just to stand to their feet. And While every head is bowed, just let this be a private moment. But while every head is bowed, I want to pray a prayer. And I would love if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ to be included in that prayer. Because as I pray this prayer and as all of us together pray this prayer, you can encounter the love and the forgiveness of God right here today to your heart. You're already sensing his reality. And so if that's you today, while every head is bowed and you want to be included in this prayer, just slip up your hand quickly so I can see it and put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning. I'm not going to call you forward, but if you would like to be included in this prayer, just wherever you stand, slip up your hand and put it down so I can see it. Yeah, God bless you there. Somebody else today, you're saying that you want to encounter the love of God. You don't know him, but you want to encounter him today. Just wherever you are, slip up your hand with this man and So I can include you in that prayer. Yeah, I see your hand down the back there. God bless you. Anybody else? Come on, church. Why don't we pray and join with these people this morning? We're going to pray together this prayer. And if you stuck up your hand today, exercise your faith and you will encounter Jesus Christ and his love today. So come on, family. Let's just pray this morning. You pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus come to you today and I acknowledge you as Lord and my Savior. Will you forgive me? Will you deal with the things that separate me from you? Will you fill me with your love, your forgiveness and grace? Thank you for hearing me today.